everyone, John Worth. I'm here. It's this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. It is a few days after the Australian Open. We are back. We are jet lag. It feels like it's April. Um, we have a good guest today. Tennis Sangren um, was big enough to have a long conversation with us. We talk often about uh, the winners of these events, and we hear about them when they're on their victory lap, and they are more than entitled uh, to, to that, but seldom do we hear about the players who did not win, and we can glean a lot from uh, that experience as well sometimes. And Tennis Sangren, as most of you probably know, got to the quarters of the Australian Open. He had seven match points against Roger Federer. Um, could not convert and did not win that match. But overall, he had a great tournament. He halved his ranking and is now um, almost in the top 50. He may well be an Olympian. But we talk a lot about that match against Federer, what he went through, what he's gone through in, in the aftermath, and how he takes some positives away from the tournament but balances that with a missed opportunity. Um, I really thought it was exceptionally big of him, A, to agree to do this, and B, to speak so candidly, so... Let's get to it. Here's Tennis Sangren. How are you? Where are you? And who won Iowa? Um, <laughs> I don't think you know the, the answer to the third question. Um, uh, I'm in. I'm at home in in Gallatin, Tennessee, just outside of Nashville, and uh, I'm good. I'm good. Just started training again yesterday, and uh, seeing if I'm going to go to New York right now or not. Trying to figure that out for the for the New York Open for the for the right. event here. Right. Let's uh you know what let's let's start with the thrill of victory and we'll save uh you know we'll, we'll save the agony of defeat for later. Um <laughs> you uh well let me ask you I mean after an event like that you you know you played until the quarterfinals best of 5 yeah. what what is the recovery like? You you took a few days off it sounds like. I did. I took uh what 5 5 days off. So um you know it's I was pretty I was pretty beat up after the tournament. Um, my knee was injured going into the event. Um, and that held up as well as I could have hoped for. Then my hips started bothering me on the same leg during the Fognini. Um, and then on the same leg, my Achilles was bothering me during the Roger match by the end of it. I think that was just kind of like the last straw. Like this, my leg is <laughs> my leg slowly falling apart. And so the last thing was, was my Achilles. Um, so just letting that rest and recover and, and uh, not doing a whole lot. And I, I spent a lot of time in the gym, uh, the last, you know, four months of, of 2019. So I was actually happy to have four or five days off. That's probably the longest I've had off physically, um, in a good, good chunk of time. So you didn't, you didn't do any gym work or anything. You just, just no, low. sure did not. I sure did not. Um, I figured I've done enough gym work, and after a couple of days, uh, I should be, I should be back to feeling good physically after you know starting this week. And so I've, today's Tuesday. I've been in the gym three times already, Monday, Tuesday. Um, so I was feeling good, starting to feel good again, and, and hoping to play in New York. I'm just kind of seeing how my body feels on court. So you went into this event, hard courts. It didn't end up being particularly hot um, in, until the very last weekend. But you, you go to this event; right. it's, it's hard courts. It's it's an ocean away. It's best of five, and you're you're already a little dinged up. How do you, mm. how do you experience that mentally? I mean, what what sort of the, the thought process there? Uh, it's fairly frustrated, <laughs> actually. Um, I've been kind of dealing with knee tendonitis since the French Open, really, and, and it had been feeling fairly solid. And then by the end of the preseason training, um, 
between Christmas and New Year. I started feeling it again uh, fairly strong and was was frustrated. Was frustrated. You know, was feeling everything else was feeling great physically and game was feeling good and then my knee was bugging me. Um, and so I took that with me to Doha and then down to Auckland and then Melbourne it started coming around, thankfully. Um, so that was that was good. You know, it's nice that the that the injured thing started feeling better for the slam. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's kind of the nature of the beast. You know, you have to train hard to feel prepared, but but you open yourself up to to potential for injury or overuse injury uh, by training hard. So you have to find that line, and, and players skirt that line. And I mean, you know, let's let's not, you know, don't don't shortchange yourself. You you played great for. Uh, I, I think I wrote you played great for four point nine rounds. I mean, you know, you you won fourteen sets, yeah, and you right, you got to the right. to the to the elite eight. Um, I'm guessing you were. On, on balance, pretty pretty pleased on the on the flight home. Um, both. I mean, it's 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 a double edged sword, you know. Like I felt, I felt like I mean, I felt like I felt this way for uh, a little bit of time now that that I can do well at these tournaments and and if I'm playing my game and 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 I'm serving well, that that I can make runs. Um, and so I wasn't that surprised as I was making this making this you know, push to the quarters. Um, some of the matches were really cool. Right. Like Berrettini and, and, and Fognini were both like really cool tennis matches. You know, their ups and downs and momentum swings and shifts. And I thought the tennis was entertaining and I thought people enjoyed those matches a lot. And to come out of those with, with wins, um, was, was a lot of fun, honestly, but I wasn't, I wasn't surprised that I, that I won those matches. Um, not, not like, not like in 2018. Um, so, so, you know, I kind of I'm trying to go into these events thinking that I can win the tournament. And so I felt like I was in a position to make a push. You know, you kind of there's different stages of, you know, it's a two week event. So there's kind of different stages. You know, there's the first couple rounds and then you kind of get to that middle portion where it's like, OK, you know, the, the, the tension is slightly upticked a little bit. And then I think by the quarters and I would assume the semis as well, you're kind of in a different event. Um, and so I felt like I put myself in a position to make another push. Um, in that event, and and just wasn't able to do that, but was close. If you uh, if you're talking about winning these events, winning 21 yeah. sets of tennis, you you have to be in peak shape, and yep. you you've done that. So, someone was telling us before the tournament, they said, you you know who the most fit guy out here right now is. You know, we said, oh, you know, is it Rafa? You sort of go through the list, and it's Novak, and and uh, your your name came up. Mm. What um. What have you done? I mean, I you know, I'm not saying you were out there with a beer gut uh, two years ago, but what right. have you done lately so people are whispering about you as the guy who's in the best shape of the 128 guys in the field? Right, um, just taking it as serious as I can, really, from the diet and training perspective. Um, just being super consistent. I mean, consistency is huge with what you're putting into your body and how you're training, because um, days, days and weeks and months stack up. Um, and if you get in a good routine and, and you stay vigilant that, you know, you can kind of, you can make these little percentage gains. Cause that's really all there was. Like you said, it's not like I wasn't in good shape already. I was right. in fine shape. I wasn't in phenomenal shape. Um, but to, to make those little percentage gains, uh, you have to really be strict about, about what you're doing. And so that's what I did. Uh, a lot. Starting, I mean, starting in preseason in 2000, uh, what, I guess 18. Um, I, I tried, you know, I tried to be really uh, 
you know, like I said, strict with those things and started the year well, winning Auckland and then, you know, kind of lost my way a little bit. And then by the summer, um, the summer hardcore swing, I kind of rededicated myself to that, um, lost about 10 pounds before the U S open and felt pretty good. And then I hurt my toe. So then I was out by the middle of September. So I wasn't really able to see how I was playing. I thought I was playing well and, but just wasn't able to compete. And so then I wasn't able to play tennis for a little over a month. Um, but I was in the gym every day and eating super strict and just training hard with what I could do without, you know, being able to run. And, um, you know, was able to make some more gains just because I had nothing else to do with my time other than work out and like deprive myself of delicious food. You know, <laughs> is, is that what I mean? Seriously, is that what um, you know? P- players on on both tours talk about that, and I need to get in better shape, and I've been working really hard to get in shape. What what is what is sort of the biggest challenge? What's what's sort of the biggest source of resistance? Is it well? Just I mean, don't I mean, want a good what's meal. Difficult, what's, what's really hard is, I mean, diet's really hard, and diet's really hard because you're traveling. Mm-hmm. When you're on tour, you're traveling so much, and you're in airports, and your your sleep schedule gets messed up, and a lot of the time you're just trying to survive and feel halfway decent, and and it's hard to be to be um, you know perfect with with your diet. You know, it's hard to find the right places to eat and the right foods and things like that. And you're kind of just scraping by sometimes. And I say scraping by just with selection, not with like quality of food, obviously you're eating well, um, but it just gets difficult. And so it gets difficult to maintain your weight. It gets difficult to, to train at regular intervals because you're either winning matches or if you're losing, you're traveling a lot. Like I said, it's, it's just difficult to, to be at like your physical, your real physical peak, you know, to really push the envelope. And so, I mean, while I was really bummed, that I wasn't able to play a full fall schedule. Um, I at least used my time well, which which paid off for me um, in Australia. Right. What's your uh, as long as we're here, and as long as I'm mm-hmm. dragging. What's what's your jet lag? Uh, what's what's your jet lag solution? What's your <laughs> Man, game plan I have no there? Solution. I have no solution. My sleep schedule since I've been home has been <laughs> ridiculous. Say, could have done this ridiculous. podcast slept, at two a.m. I slept a. eleven hours one night. I slept eleven hours one night, and then I proceeded to sleep two out of like twenty six hours. And then last night I slept from 5.30 to 2, I think. And I've been up since 2 a.m. today. Um, <laughs> You're singing my I song. No I, have no, I have no solution. Just survive. Try and oh. just keep trying to get on a good schedule and just sleep when you're tired, whatever. You know, I mean, there is no real, uh, there's no real solution. Once, once, once you're in the thick of it, especially once you mess up once, you know, if you can try to not mess up once and stay on a decent schedule, I feel like that's the that's the best way to do it. But once right. you've messed up once, and you've you've kind of you've, you've messed up the time, then you're basically screwed, and so you're in for it. it might take a couple of weeks before you're really acclimated. Yeah. We could have done this podcast at two a.m. Um, <laughs> well, and I, you know, and I, I imagine. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I w- I would think maybe anti-doping plays a role here i mean someone says oh i've got this echinacea from this natural food store and mm. i i can think about whether i want to deal with it or not but you probably aren't uh you know fi- finding some pharmaceutical uh aids no to deal for with sleep either. yeah yeah no 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 i don't take anything right. for sleep for, i mean that's i mean anti-doping is real i mean you have to be super careful with what's going on with that obviously um but I don't like taking anything for sleep anyway. Right, right. Um, melatonin doesn't help me. Exactly. If I take melatonin, it really doesn't help. And then I really don't want to take anything stronger than melatonin because uh, I figure if I'm struggling to sleep, there might be an underlying issue there, and I don't want to like kill it away 
I'd rather just deal with it. Like if I'm stressed out or if I've got anxiety over some problem or some issue that's going on in my life, I'd rather just mm-hmm. deal with it than, than, um, that you know, sounds, take something that helps me to go to sleep. It's like, if I'm not sleeping, then there's probably then more like most likely I'm dealing with something that I need to address. And so I'd rather just address it and figure out what the heck's going on. That sounds very healthy. Um, so I, I appreciate one of, one of my very, one of yeah. my only one of my very few healthy habits. <laughs> you got to the quarterfinals of a major six days ago. Don't uh, don't be hard on yourself. Um, but no, I I one of the reasons I I wanted to um, I, w- I wanted to talk to you and I really appreciate you doing this is you know we mm. talk about winners and Sonia Kennan on cloud nine and we sort of hear uh, the pl- players when they do their victory laps. We don't always hear from the 127 other players that don't leave you know majors with right. the trophy um and i you know I, th- I think there's value in in hearing about that experience too you you had one of the all-time sure. great tweets um I, I take it you did not have 14 shots on, i uh, don't that think was i did last week i don't i don't think i did no no i, I didn't make it that high that's right. that's a little much that's a little much um but i was i was uh yeah i wasn't sure what 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 <laughs> what protocol actually was at that point like what's What's saying? Like, what would what would be like excused uh, <laughs> yeah, degenerate right. behavior at that point? <laughs> it's a uh, there's a conversion chart. Um, but I, I but just hearing you now, I mean, it's it does sound like t- time is healed, and it sounds like uh, you know you're probably in a in a better place than you were when you came into press an hour after that corner final match. How how are you yeah. experiencing that, yeah. and what what's sort of the last week been like? Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm definitely not as not as bummed as I was when I walked into press out right after the match. Um, I felt pretty low, isn't the right word? Just pretty numb, honestly. Like I just felt like I was just pretty empty at that point. I'd spent a lot, a lot of emotional energy, and, and to to be so close to to a match like that, but not able to get it, you know, it's just kind of an emptying experience. Um, I mean, I, I have a lot of. I have a lot of positive feelings from the event itself. I mean, I played well and, and, and competed hard and did a lot of good things and, and a lot of the training paid off. And, and so that's like, that's really gratifying. Um, but like I said, I'm, I mean, I feel like I can potentially win one of these tournaments and I felt like I was in a position to push the envelope there um, and make a semi and, and play a guy that uh, since I played him, uh, we played two summers in 2018. You're talking about no, I remember you. You took a set, yeah. You're talking about Djokovic. Talking about Djokovic. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. So I've, I mean, I've been training really hard, partly because I know that if I ever play him again in a three out of five match, that I have to be physically ready, and if I'm not, I won't win. Like it's just not possible. The way that our games match up, um, if I can't at least hang with him physically over the course of five sets, then uh, it's it's not possible right. um, to win that match. So I feel like I've done a lot of training to maybe to maybe be in that position. I I would have loved to have found out. I guess is my point. Um, I would have loved to have tested myself in that way, and just to see where I measured up, uh, to know you know what I, what do I need to do? You know what do I need to do to to, to compete against him? Because he's kind of the the benchmark, especially on a hard court. I guess right. Rafa's obviously on clay, but um, so that, that that was kind of the the the, thought, the, the bumming thought process. It's the, the match itself. Um, you know those points can go either way. I mean, I could have, I could have come away with one of those easily playing the way that I played them. It just didn't work out. Um, but 
to see how I would have responded in the semis of a tournament like that against the guy who's kind of the guy. Right. Um, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. And those are the things that I, those are the things that I focus on when I'm training is, is uh, things like that. It's like, you know, th- that's what I'm, that's what I'm aspiring to. That's really and interesting. To have been able to get a look uh, at that would have been, uh, would have been special. It would have been special and it would have, it would have served me well moving forward. So I would, could have, you know, been able to see, cause when we played at the U S open, I just, I got gassed. I won the third set and I was done. Um, I mean, it was a super right. humid two, two, two night years ago, in, right. in New York. Two years ago when you right. played Novak, and, right? Right. And so, I would have liked to have seen what what, um, what two years of time or, yeah, what that would have done. What where 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 I'm at now, but maybe another time. That's really interesting. Maybe I mean, it's time. it's not you. You didn't mention ranking points. You didn't mention money. You didn't. I mean, your your regret is not having a semifinal against the seven time champion. Now eight. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, the money and points. I mean, what, what is? I don't know. I mean, it would have been Olympics would have been nice. I mean, I still can make it, but I think I would have been a lock if I would have won that match. That would have been cool. Um, I would have made the semi. Right. But uh, the points themselves and money itself at this point, it's just you know, it's not the things that I think about when I'm pushing myself as hard as I can. It just, it just isn't, you know, it's just not something that makes me feel gratified is more physical stuff. You know, I like challenges and pushing myself and, and stacking myself up against people who are doing the same thing that I'm doing and that, and that like to suffer in the same ways. And, and he's obviously a guy who, who trains exceptionally hard and, and takes a lot of pride in his, in his uh, physical and, and um, you know, kind of emotional, spiritual body as well. Um, and so it's just, it's just cool to, to go up against people like that, you know, the special people. And those are the things that, that I like to, to focus on when I'm training. It's really interesting. Um, I, I don't know if you caught Roger. He said, they said, what, what was going through your head? You know, you're, you're down these match points and things aren't going right <laughs> yeah. for you. Do, do you know what he said? Do you remember what he said? I'm curious. Yeah, if he was... basically I didn't remember. I didn't remember the points. I thought he made a bunch of first serves and, and. He, like that. Yeah, exactly. And, he he said he said he was you know he was he was thinking to his head, boy, if I lose this point, I got to figure out what I'm going to say in press. And right. for a guy who's usually pretty meticulous with details, he had very little recall. Right. About the right. points. Very, very, very little. Very little. Like very little. But he he kind of had the theme right of the fact that we were just playing longer points and the points that I that I didn't miss early. So like half, I guess. Um, we kind of had longer physical rallies and some of the longest rallies of the turn of the of the match were on those match points, um, which is kind of bizarre. You know, it's kind of bizarre how it worked out that way. Um, but it probably helped him, to be honest, that he just wasn't that focused on right. um, the situation. Whereas I, on the other side of the net, obviously, I can't help but be um, hyper aware of the situation. And <laughs> and on his side, he's been in it so much. I mean, this is a quarterfinal of a slam. I don't know how many quarterfinals of a slam he's played. Uh, I, I, I couldn't probably make a very good guess, but I don't know, 60, I was going to say, uh, like just that? the back of the Something, envelope math that we're probably, at, yeah, 50 or 60, sure. Something around there, right. right? So, like, I mean, and he's won a bunch of them, hardly lost many of them at all. I mean, in Australia, he hasn't lost one. I know that. Um, so, re- realistically, my odds were terrible because he had, he had never lost a, a quarterfinal in Australia. So, uh, <laughs> um, But I think that kind of – that definitely played in, in his favor. I think it was just the fact that I was more stressed than he was and it helped him perform. Well, I thought he played them the best that he had, especially in those moments, he played those points better than he played any of the other points 
right, uh, by right, far. Right. In the, in, especially in the, I, I thought he played a good fifth set, but in those moments in the fourth, he, uh, the, the points around those points, he was struggling. And then the way that he played the match points was as if those points didn't exist. And that's a really difficult thing to do. Um, so what um, that was. What, what's the? Uh, I mean, I was, I was thinking if if you follow sport, you see this theme a lot, um, where a, a player has a higher seed on the ropes, and maybe for, for whatever reason that the seed escapes danger. What mm. is the fifth set like for you? I mean, what's what's going through your head? for the last 45 minutes? Uh, up until that point? You, you start the, you, you, you know, the you're, you're a point from victory, and you start the fifth set. Uh, How do you reset? Uh, okay. I mean, you know, I've done a good job of that in the past. I, that was actually the first fifth set loss I've had um, was against Roger. Uh, but that was, that, was, that was tough because the conditions had changed a lot. The sun was down. It was mm-hmm. slower, and I thought that favored him more actually I, I made it so i couldn't get the ball out of his strike zone at all um but my my leg started to bother me a little bit which is by no means an excuse but it was something that i was thinking about so i was less concerned about the tennis itself and thinking about my physical body um and how i was feeling and um you know the the, cra- the crowd was also difficult in that fifth set too um just one of those things that you deal with obviously but um some of those things I was thinking about, the tennis part was just, it felt like I had a real uphill battle. He was serving first. He looked a lot more comfortable. I knew that he was thinking, I'm bulletproof at this point. You know, I'm, I'm, I essentially can't lose right now. Um, and that's kind of how it felt. And it was difficult for me. That's a bad mental pattern to have. Um, but it was difficult to get out of that. And, you know, I got through a couple early stages of adversity, but then I couldn't, I couldn't hold on to my serve. And, um, yeah, but I also thought he raised his level too. I, I, I mean, I felt like, I felt like I had a, as good a shot as, as, as he did to win the fifth set, but his level definitely increased once he saw that the finish line was, uh, a reality. Um, and you know, I mean, everything statistically is the miles per hour and his serve picked up and his error count mm. went down. I mean, I think that was the, the stat sheet would confirm that what's, um, right. what's it, what's it like in the locker room? Just in general. After after a match like that, after a match like that, um, oof, I, I looked at the carpet a lot. <laughs> I looked at the carpet a lot. I sat down for a while. My my coach was trying to get me to go do the recovery stuff, you know, bike and and things like that. And I just I couldn't move. I was I was catatonic, uh, almost. Um, some of his team came over and you know gave my shoulder a smack and just you know good good match, tough luck and things like that. Right. Um, which you always appreciate, you know, for, for better or worse, you do battle against each other and, and each other's teams and things like that. And so I, I like, I like that part of tennis where there's, there's uh, normally that kind of mutual respect after you guys have uh, gone head to head. So that stuff I appreciate, but um, I was pretty quiet. I was pretty quiet. I didn't say much and just head down for probably about 40 minutes or so. And then started moving my stuff around, you know, cleaning out my locker and all those things, you know, that those are the things. And you take care of the, the miscellaneous stuff and you collect your string and you, <laughs> no, we don't, we do don't think about like it, but yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like some, summer camp's over and you got to go yeah. back. All right, to the, it's to over the guys. You know, you're, 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 uh, a strike of, of tennis ball away from playing in the semis in in two days time. And, but that, 
just didn't happen. So now you got to clean out your locker and you get book your flight and and you you get your little bags and you get out of there. You know that's basically it. And it's, right. it's a kind of a funny thing. It is a funny thing. And it's and the the whole event and every ten, I mean every tournament's like that. It's just it's it's kind of even more surreal when you were closer to to a bigger moment and but was not to be. But you still have to go through the same the same little um, tasks right. once it's over. I could could pat you on the back and point out there were there were 128 players on the draw board and uh, you know you you were 123. So you know right. it's um, right. you you left camp. You were a ball strike away from the final four, but you know you, most you, improved. Most improved yeah. camp. I'm guessing you're not a participation trophy kind of guy. Um, right. What? Right. Um, you no, know, no, I, I, I mean, I respect that. I mean, I respect that. I respect that as a, as a, as a tournament. You know, to, to, to from where I started the event to making it to the, to the quarters. I mean, I have a lot of respect for that, and, and I'm proud of myself for doing that. It's just, it's the, the two go hand in hand. The, the, the disappointment from not going farther with what's opportunity at the door um, with the, the good stuff, really good four matches I played prior to that. So, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with having both of those things and, and moving forward and trying to keep getting better. Let, let me ask you a dumb question that I always wondered about though. Um, <laughs> you, you hear players after big matches and they say, what do they always say? My, my phone's blowing up. Um, right. I remember when Nadal won Wimbledon the first time in 2008, he, he literally spent four hours responding to every text he got. And that Oof. was, uh, you know, sort of pre-Twitter and all. I mean, this was before social media totally blew up. How right. do you deal with, I mean, a match like that, you, you have fans, you have friends, you have family, you have college teammates. How do you respond to what I suspect was a deluge of messages? Right. Uh, I mean, some things you just don't really get to. I mean, I, some, I struggle to respond to everything. Um, I don't normally respond to every text message. I try to in like a 24 hour cycle, like I'll spend like 10 minutes and respond to a bunch and talk to people and then take a break and then 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. And, uh, I mean, I'm super happy that people are pumped and and supportive, whatever, and taking the time out of their day to send me a message because they took more time out of the day to watch the match itself. Um, you know, friends and family and, and people that are close to, um, but it's tough to, I mean, four hours in a row is a joke. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's challenging. And it is challenging because it's a, it's a lot. And so you're, um, I could see why guys like the LeBron Jameses of the world, when they're in the playoffs, they just turn their phones off. Mm-hmm. You know, they just delete social media for the month. And they're like, nope, not even, not even going to poke my head into that because it's just, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, but it's a good thing, you know, because you're, you're, um, you know, tennis is interesting because there's just a lot of downtime and then you play your match and it's kind of like a whirlwind. And, right. Um, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a good part of that. It's a good thing that comes along with that. If people are interested in, and into the tennis and texting you and, and stuff, it's, it's nice, but it's also nice to, to have quiet time too. So you kind of take those things together. Did you, um, did you watch the final? I did not watch the final actually. I did not watch the final. Um, I won't spoiler alert. I won't tell you who won if you DVR'd it. Um, <laughs> the guy, the guy I, you wanted uh, to play in the semis. I actually no. watched the first set of the my 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 mom recorded the the women's final and we watched the first set. Um, then I went to I I had to step out, but I, I watched the first set of the women's final. Did not watch any of the men's final. Um, I know who won. I, uh, I know who won. Um, yeah. It was so- Sophia Kennedy. She broke through. Um, no, but I, I wanted yeah. to ask you a question about Djokovic because I, I I feel like. Um, 
I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, you, you follow this stuff on social media or I get people writing to me and people are interested by, they said, oh, you know, it looks like he's about to lose and then he gets a second wind. And mm. is he playing possum? And what's the story with, and I, I'm, what, I guess what I'm asking is what, what don't fans understand about the ebb and flow of a match? Um, well, does that I mean, make sense? First of all, it's physically it's physically demanding. I mean, if you're playing super physical points, and if if it's Novak and team playing against each other, there's going to be really physical moments in a match, and those moments might last might last four or five points, but it's enough to just gash your legs for briefly, and so you kind of you're kind of reeling from that, and you have to recover from that. And these guys are fit enough to do that, but it doesn't mean that you're superhuman and you don't feel anything ever. Right. You know, you're still your legs are still burning. They still fill with lactic acid. Your heart rate still comes up, and your breathing is still labored, and that still happens. It's just your ability to recover over and over again is really good, um, but you still have to deal with the, the ups and downs of that just from a physical standpoint. And then mentally, it's a slog. I mean, you know that winning three sets of tennis is is it's a lot. I mean, your two all three all moments um, in the beginning of sets they don't feel like much, but in reality, they could dictate the entire set. And so all of a sudden, like a 30-15 point to 30-all or a 30-all point to 30-40, it's like you, you, your mind escapes you for a moment. And all of a sudden, you're in like a really big pressure situation that you weren't in a minute ago. Obviously, when it's like 4-all and 5-all, you're, you're, you're a little bit more heightened, your awareness is, because you know what's, what's at the doorstep. But when it's earlier in sets and, and, and stuff, it's, it's, it can be stressful quickly without you realizing it, because you can't be hyper-focused for potentially five hours right it's just, right it's just not possible so you're kind of going in and out of that and you're going in and out of that based upon the score um it's just sometimes it sneaks up on you and then you you kind of get slapped in the face and i, I think they, they were trading breaks at a decent amount i think weren't they, um, they, they it's not like there they were, it wasn't a whole others yeah i mean no it's i guess i guess it's just interesting to hear you say that because i i totally agree and you see it in other sports but for some reason in tennis we sort of expect effort and results to be linear and even broadcasters right. do this well, i don't understand he was huffing and puffing two points ago and now he's got the spring of a teenager and you sort of right you right well it's like well yeah he was huffing and puffing two points ago and and then his legs got back underneath him because he had two more times to recover you think about what you're doing in training i mean a lot of guys do interval stuff so you're doing like 30 seconds on 30 seconds off to mimic the the right, playing a right. point and you're off of the point right so if you let's say you played three really hard points in a row, okay, and then you're gassed and you play two bad ones because you're a little bit gassed, but you played well on the the the, the thirty points, uh, the three points prior to that, okay. But th- because you played the two bad points and your legs weren't quite underneath you, you had two more times to recover. You had two more thirty second windows to recover. That's a lot considering, you know, prior to that you were pretty banged up. And so like what seems like a small amount of time to kind of come in and out of of feeling good physically is is actually not when that's how you base your training and you've been doing that you're, you've been playing tennis like that at that structure and training like that for i mean how how long has Novak been doing that right 20 years no i, I mean years. i think uh i mean so honestly, like your body your body is right. very accustomed to those small intervals the small windows of recovery so it's not like it's 10 minutes but 30 seconds is a long time i think that's really smart and i think um I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's 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 testament to fitness and not to a lack of fitness. Right. I mean, like go run four hundreds, but yeah, give yourself exactly. instead of a thirty second window, give yourself a minute window between. Like 
you're going to, if you give yourself a 30 second window between 400, you're going to be toast quickly. But if you give yourself an extra 30, just 30 seconds, you might actually feel not quite as terrible. Right. And it's only 30 right. seconds, but when you're doing something like, like, like playing at an interval, um, it's a real, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. So what, what might seem like one or two or three points where it's like, he doesn't look so good right now. I wonder if he's in a big trouble. Like, no, nah, not really. I mean, when was the last time you saw Novak cramping in a match and was like, failed to fail to finish it feeling physically pretty good. I mean, it's been a long time. Exactly. Um, so I don't think that's happening anytime soon, but that doesn't mean, like I said, that he's bulletproof or that other guys are bulletproof and they don't feel anything at all ever. That's just, that's not possible. And that's not how it works to be a human. Right. Right. Um, this, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I've surpassed my 30 minutes here that, uh, that, that I told you, but, um, you're, you're 56 in the world. You're, uh, you know, I, I suspect that changes some things logistically and, uh, yeah, thankfully. Thankfully, I can. I, I, like, I'm not planning on playing like the the challengers in between, you know, like Indy Wells, Miami, for example, where um, I can I can take the week off between Miami and Houston. I don't have to go. I went to Monterey. Monterey. I went to Monterey last year to play in a challenger. Um, I also missed French Open main draw last year. I did. Go, I yeah, did go you to qualified. Right? Yeah, right. And I had to play challengers prior to that to get into Wimbledon, which I did barely. I got into like I went from like 110 to like 97 from three challengers, and was able to sneak into Wimbledon um, just before that cut. So this so is this is a you know I'll be able to avoid difference. all that. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which exactly. is nice. Exactly. Which is nice. Which is nice. Um, so I'm, ho- I'm hoping if I can stay healthy, I can make uh, make another push. Um, that's the plan, anyway. You are uh, you're you're coming off a quarterfinal to major. On on hard courts, taking uh, one one of the greats of all time with within a point of uh, of defeat, so it's good good start to the year. Good start. Um, this was really I, I really appreciate. It. I mean, I I think it was big big of you to do this, but I also think this was really instructive. Like like I said, I mean, you know, we 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 hear from winners and we hear about players being on cloud nine, and we we mm-hmm. celebrate uh, the person that walks away with the trophy as we should. But I think it's it's really instructive to. Uh, to hear from the other players sometimes right so thanks. No, i agree i, I agree i agree sometimes you don't uh i think and people will say this that you know you don't learn as much from winning as you do from losing so like it's hard to it's hard to learn as much maybe from the from somebody who like like sophia cannon right now who's just on cloud nine which she should be and she should feel amazing and with that massive breakthrough but it's like maybe uh the person that she picked out in the semis might have a, some more words of wisdom down there at the bottom of. of so, so what, we'll, go, we'll keep going with that. So like, what, so like, what like you, myself. From, yeah. So what? Like you, myself no, but, uh, at, the, at the bottom of the canyon after that quarterfinal match. Well, keep keep going. I mean, just to, to to wrap with that. So what what if someone says, "What'd you learn? What would you say?" Right. To, distill it. What did I learn? You know what? You know what I've been thinking about the last couple of days is the um, is what's known as the Matthew principle, which is something in the Book of Matthew that that what is it? That, the quote the the verse is something like. Um, uh, to those who have more will be given to those who have nothing they'll lose everything it's something like uh, something like that and it's like yeah, I, I don't know I, I kind of take that as like maybe um, you know to uh, to count your blessings a little bit I guess you know that that things things you've I've had I've been at times in my career not having much and it takes a lot to get anywhere you have to win a lot of tennis matches to to progress 
uh, anywhere uh, for months at a time. Um, so with the position that I'm in, to, to just be grateful with the fact that um, every little success that I have right now is like kind of there's like a uh, you know a, uh, like a magnifying glass on it that it just increases um, in a way that if I've like made quarters of a future and I made seven points uh, that that it just doesn't feel like you're doing anything even though you're playing a lot of tennis and you feel like you're you're slowly progressing um, you know so just be grateful in the fact that at this point in my career I've had an opportunity where even though I feel like I can do more than quarterfinals at a slam. And I feel like I'm in a position that, that, that um, I can make a push in the later week of a, of a tournament like that uh, to also remember to be grateful for the fact that you are in a position where things are a lot better than they have been in my career. Um, and I don't take that. I don't take that as a small thing. So to not be too down about it because things aren't so bad. I was going to uh, I was going to say athletes, but I'll amend that to uh, a lot. A lot of people could benefit from that. That's uh, that's not sounds, not easy. I, I didn't feel that way a couple of days ago. So <laughs> neither neither did Kyle Shanahan. No, I mean I I, I mean again yeah. I think I, I it's been a few days, but uh, and again you, yeah. you're in a different place than you were when you walked into that press room. But um, it, right. it does seem like you've you've hit some perspective here. You've yeah, got some for sure. balance, but for sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, all right, this this was I really appreciate this. This was uh, yeah, pleasure, yeah, pleasure, pleasure talking. Go uh, tr- treat yourself. Don't put on any weight. No, <laughs> no, I can't do that. And you live in Nashville. It's not easy. Um, yeah. All right, yeah. thanks. This was uh, good. Good talking, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome, it. John. You're all welcome. Right. You're welcome. Anytime. All right, thanks to Tennis Sangren. That was um, that was really instructive. And again, I thought that showed um, an awful lot of character for him to agree to do this and then um, speak with as much thoughtfulness as he did. Uh, again, we hear from the winners. We don't often hear from the 127 other players who leave these majors um, on, on a losing streak. But um, that was, I, I thought that was terrific. Uh, Jamie, we are in the studio. How are you? Good morning. Good April. Um, Welcome It's been an interesting back. few days. Yeah, thanks. If you um, have a jet lag cure, I'm all ears. But um, how are you? We missed you. I'm good. We miss you. Uh, good, good tennis. Good tennis, right? A few sleepless nights on my end, but yeah. it was it was a good tournament, and uh, that was a great conversation. I I just have to say, tennis is the only place where we can get a guy who played in the quarterfinals of a major tournament against Roger Federer. We can uh, you know shoot him an email on a Saturday night, and he responds back. Very graciously, we like this with ease, and says, "Sure, I'd love to come on your podcast and talk." I mean, it's incredible. This guy was just playing Roger Federer under the lights. Any other sport, you'd have to and didn't win. Jump through hoops, and uh, I don't know. We probably would have taken us till April to uh, get somebody on the um, podcast. So I, I would, we love tennis. For we that love reason. tennis, and we love. And I, I would say tennis. T e n n y s also comes in for some credit here. Not every player who. Uh, didn't convert match points in a Grand Slam quarterfinal would be happy to go through a postmortem uh, definitely four or five days later. So I, I give I give him a lot of credit. But um, no, I mean honestly, going back to your larger point, this is one of the things I love about this sport that it really is a community and it's a big enough sport so that it's on. It's got its own dedicated channel and it's <laughs> on ESPN and we all are familiar with these players. But also, it's enough of a community so you can send someone an email and get a response. So, um, 
Yay tennis and yay tennis players. Um, I always like doing this. I always like coming back from these events and um, sort of hearing about it through your eyes, bleary as they may be, given uh, this crazy time difference. But um, how, how did you experience this tournament? You you were here. You were monitoring. You were doing great work um, producing at Sports Illustrated. How did you experience uh, our first major of the decade? This was a weird one. I mean, Australia is typically strange for us who are in New York and who either decide to DVR or stay up all night and then, you know, cry at our desks the next day and and drink all the coffee we can because we're so tired. Uh, But this one was weird, obviously, um, because of many different reasons. We talk about it before the tournament with the fires kind of playing out even before the tournament began. But then, of course... uh, on Sunday with the passing of Kobe Mm -hmm. Bryant and that news really just taking over the sports world in general. Um, And then, of course, the finals were the same weekend as Super Bowl weekend. And so I think there was just a lot going on, you know, generally here in this office uh, in terms of sports. And so it was uh, interesting to see how tennis still was able to break through. I mean, you've, you've got Serena, of course, will always break through that, but it was unfortunate to see her lose. But that, you know, that really resonated, I think. And then Coco Goff, Sophia Kennan, I mean, just the big three continuing to to dominate um, really, really came through. Uh, But on a on a more tennis insider level, I think uh, it was interesting to see some really nice comebacks for certain players. Garbin Muguruza, Sasha Zarev, like these, these, these are people who we were sitting here sort of saying, what, what is going going on? on What happened? And it was nice to, uh, you know, see those players really come back and um, show us, hey, you know, we're, we're Grand Slam champions. We're, uh, you know, the next big thing for a reason. And so it was nice to see that. Um. That's really interesting to hear you say that. I, I think you're totally right. I, you know, one thing that was weird was the in the run-up, um, we talked about it here. It was all over my, my social media feed. It was on these some of these group chats. I, I did some radio interviews in advance, and everybody wanted to talk about air pollution, fires, climate change, mm-hmm. and very mercifully, I wouldn't say a non-issue, but it really didn't impact play that much um you didn't hear players complaining there were rains that mitigated the circumstances uh a lot of you know you saw people walking around with masks and some of us you know you got a little cough and you could certainly see when the plane landed that that the air quality looked like but it looked like la smog i mean it didn't look apocalyptic Mm -hmm. and then it kind of was a non-story and it was very very hot the last i think it was friday the tournament was like 111 degrees it was just disgusting but the first 10 or 12 days, the conditions weren't really a factor. And you're right. You had this this Kobe Bryant. Um, I was going to. Yeah, you had the, the Kobe Bryant situation that came out of nowhere. He had a lot of ties in the tennis community. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it resonated, even though it was an ocean away. It really had a lot of resonance. I mean, I don't know if you saw when Nick Curios came out on the court mm-hmm. that night, he was emotional and people wrote KB on their shoes, and he had a relationship with Naomi Osaka. He had a relationship with Djokovic. Um, and then you ended up with a wide-open women's draw. I think you're right. If you're a hardcore fan, there were certainly storylines, and um, Serena was a bit of a disappointment. Right. But, you know, Sonia Kennan, if you're a hardcore tennis fan, 
great story, this sort of feisty, undersized American who has this incredible mental tenacity and relentlessness wins her first major. But that's not going to punch through on Super Bowl weekend. And you had the same thing on the, on the men's side. It was sort of the opposite, where you had Djokovic win, make it to his eighth final, win his eighth title. I, I do feel, and I don't know if you sense this, I do feel like this GOAT discussion that obsesses tennis fans, not not wrongly, I mean, I think it's very reasonable. It would be, be weird if people didn't discuss this, if you have three players who are the three, this sport that's you know ex- existed for at this level, Grand Slam level, more than 100 years, and you have three guys who have won the most titles that are all competing simultaneously, it would be weird not to obsess over this who's going to retire with more. But I do feel like this tournament, and maybe it was because Nadal lost in the quarters and Novak beat an injured Roger Federer. Maybe it's 38 years old. Maybe it's just, you know, Novak Djokovic, best of best of five tennis, looking as absolutely impenetrable as he does, I do feel like there was a bit of sort of public shift of, you know what? Novak's going to win this thing, isn't he? Novak's going to have more than either of these two guys, isn't he? I do feel like this was in a weird way in sort of the the public arena. There, This was a bit of a pivot point. But um, no, it was it was a weird tournament. I think you're right. And I think uh, between, I, I think you, you hit the big three, at least in the U.S., which was this very grim sort of pre, pre-tournament climate situation, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant middle weekend, and then Chiefs and 49ers. Um, right. Very little oxygen in the room for Kennan and Djokovic winning yet again. But, um, you know, I, I think given we did a podcast, I mean, you, you read the New York Times on the weekend before the tournament, and, you know, we, we had some question marks about whether they would even be able to complete this right, event. There was right. nothing even remotely in, in that sphere. So in, in that sense, you know, the tournament set attendance records. Everyone's going to remember Djokovic winning, Kennan breaking through. You said another nice tournament for the third straight major in a row, Coco Goff. Mm-hmm. Leaves on a high note. Plenty of plenty of highlights. Um, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a bit, a bit of a strange major to kick off our decade. For sure. And then now we kind of have this little pause before we get back into, you know, the spring here. But it's interesting to hear you say that about Djokovic and and the big three I think one of the things that was interesting watching team and Djokovic uh you know you kind of you you feel for him a little bit because he's proven that he can get there you know he can he can get to that final but he falls short and it's you know always to none other than somebody in that big three you know Mm -hmm. and I think the the thing is is that the longer this continues the 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 tighter the grip this big three grip gets, you know, and, and that's not just only on the titles and the finals and the majors, but it's also on the opponent on the other side of the net. I think you you hear tennis talk about it, playing Roger, how he, it's not just the situation, you know, Oh, I'm in the quarterfinals of a major. I mean, they are, they are hyper aware of who's on the other side of the net and who this player is and what they've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And I think the longer this continues, you know, it's it's really hard for that opponent to to break through that mentally, especially in a best of five, especially when you're right there and you, as you say, you just can't get over the finish line. And I think it's starkly different from the women's draw where we see players see this wide open space and they see that there is no 
dominant person and that just ignites a fire and so it's such a contrast and it's so interesting but you gotta you gotta feel for for dominic team in those situations can i give you my command x can i give you my cut and paste of course best and you you said it i mean you you said it yourself best of three versus best of five is this stark difference that's staring us all in the face that somehow we always gloss over and you heard tennis sangren talk about it he said he's he wants to match up with Novak Djokovic, not because I want to go backhand to backhand with this guy or I've jacked up my serve and I want to see how it's faring against one of the great returners in history. It was about the physical challenge, and it was about knowing he has to be at this peak level. He, I mean, you heard what he said. I've got to be at peak level to even give myself a shot. I have to be at peak fitness level. And I think the big difference between men's tennis and women's tennis is that the run-of-the-mill events in women's tennis are the same number of sets and the same physical challenge as the majors. And I'm, I'm not saying that to lobby for or against best of five. I just think it's this really stark difference. And beating a top player, even at the World Tour final, well, I guess we don't call it that anymore, even at the, the ATP final in, in, uh, at, at the end of the year, let alone at one of these run-of-mill events, beating Novak Djokovic, as Dominic Team has done, whatever, I think four times, that is starkly different than beating him in a best-of-five format, which he did do at the French Open, but, um, but was I it, able to do it Sunday? Is it just the physical component, do you think? Like, I mean, fitness is fitness, right? There's a there's a formula for it, essentially. I mean, you can go out, you can do all the right things, you know, as Tennis was saying, eat the right foods, com- stay committed to your workout plan, you know, get, get your endurance up, get your stamina up, get your strength up, but... If that was, if it was that easy, you know, everyone would do it. So, like, what is it about the best of five match? Is it is it just the the length of time that all of a sudden, after a certain number of hours, you know, these guys just have a, a better endurance? Yeah, is it it's the a great experience? question. It's I a mean, great question. I th- I think it's a few things. I mean, I think one of it is experience. I mean, Roger Federer has played, I think, more best of five matches than anyone in history, or at least at majors. Um, he knows how to pace himself. He knows how to ration his energy. He knows what his body is feeling. I also just think it's like, um, we always say this with probability, right? If, if I had a half-court shooting contest with Steph Curry, I might hit one and he would miss. But if we had 100 half-court shots, the sample size is going to expand and right, the right. better. These guys are really, really, really good at tennis. And the more sets they can play, the more things are going to regress to the mean. And Jan Leonard Struff is going to get really hot for an hour and break Novak Djokovic and win a set. But in best of five, the better player, Djokovic, is going to win. In best of three, it's kind of a crap shot. I mean, you you get hot for a set. You get one break, and right. you're you're going home. Right. It's if we play rock, paper, so, scissors, we do it once or we do yeah, best exactly, of three. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. um, I, mean I, just, I just think Federer, Nadal, Djokovic are probably better tennis players than everyone else. And the more sets they have, the more chance it is that this betterness is going to surface. Um, but I, I just think that the predictive value of beating one of these guys in best of three is completely different for a whole host of reasons than it is best of five. Um and the other thing, too, I just think the, the more you play best of five, the more you know what your body can do. Right. It's just managing the game, so to speak. Like, 
that you say a difference for for best of three. These guys have probably have a different mentality and a different way that they're managing, right. as you say, their their level and their their fuel for the rest of the time in a best of three match than they are in a best of five. So you know maybe maybe they kind of say, you know, screw it, I'm going I'm going hard for best of three, and that's where sometimes you know they fall or someone else can kind of go toe to toe with them. Right. Where in best of five they have a little bit better handle on how to manage that marathon I, re- I remember one of the first events i covered um agassi played a guy andrew illy i'm dating myself but he was a sort of crazy australian shot maker he's one of these like go drinking with the boys and then come and play tennis and the guy took a set of him and i remember distinctly agassi said i just had to ride out this hot streak and it's exactly what happened the guy took a set off of andre agassi the crowd was going crazy and then he came off the boil and started missing shots and Agassi dialed in his. And I remember Agassi sort of saying, listen, I just had to basically outlast this guy. Well, best of three, Andrew Illy might be able to win that match over best of five. And you're, you know, playing hundreds and hundreds of points the, the better player is going to win. Um, let's also uh, let's let's give some props to doubles. Which uh, I was I was scolded for not doing that uh, at the U.S. Open. So let's uh, note that uh, Rahm and Salisbury, Rajiv Rahm of Indiana, won the men's title, and Babushan Mladenovic won the women's title. I was roundly scolded for not giving uh, props to doubles winners last time. I had a note to myself to do it this time. Um, Rajiv Rahm, uh, Rajiv Rahm, offering to come on the podcast. So uh, he's he's uh, he's been on before. One of ours. Thirty-five so. years old from Indiana. What's yeah, not to like? Um, that's that's my kind of guy. <laughs> exactly. um, all right, let's uh, let's give up the room. But I thought um, again, I want one last tip of the cap to Tennis Sangren. I thought that was um, agree. Thought that was really insightful, and I thought that, I thought that was also big of him to uh, to take up up on this invitation given the circumstances. Um, thanks, totally Jamie. Great. Thanks. thanks as always. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Keep your guest suggestions coming. Leave a review, subscribe, go to iTunes, Stitcher, wherever your finer podcasts are sold. We'll do it again next week um, and enjoy the week. All right. See you, everyone.